Thank you very much, Brother Shane. Good morning to you. It's good to see you this morning. If you have your Bibles, I'll invite you to turn with me this morning to the book of First John. That's where we are uh, beginning a new study this morning. We'll be going verse by verse through the book of First John. And I would say that any of you that have ever wondered before, because I know this is something that creeps in doubt and fear at times, uh, any of you that have ever wondered, am I truly saved? I think I'm saved. I know that I've done this. I know that. But, but am I really saved? Well, I would tell you that, that in John's gospel, John's pretty clear in some of his writings about this sort of thing. In John's gospel, he said, uh, but these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So he says, these things are written so that you'll know who Jesus is and that you can believe in him and have eternal life. Well, in 1 John, this isn't our text for today, but just introducing the book to you. 1 John five thirteen, he says, I write these things to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And as we go through this book, uh, as we go through this letter, you will see many things uh, that are, if you want to say, somewhat of litmus tests. They will help you to know very clearly what you believe. Hopefully they will make you examine why you believe what you believe. They will also clearly show the difference in people that are believers in Jesus Christ and people that are not. And by the nature of the letter, it has to. It has to show that clear distinction. So as we begin this study, I, I like to begin anytime we're looking at a new book. I like to give you some background. I like to give you some context. I like for us to know who the author is. I like for us to know who the audience is, who is writing this, who are they writing to, what are they talking about. That's not just for curiosity's sake. That is to help us understand what is written here better. Because that's our purpose in studying the Word, is to, to understand what was written and why it was written and what they meant by it so that we can then take that and apply it to our lives as well. So today's information isn't for curiosity's sake. I pray that you would kind of file this away, keep this as we go through the whole book and think about these things. So we'll start out... By looking at the text itself, 1 John chapter 1, let's read verses 1 and 2 and get an introduction to the book. It says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And we'll stop there. We're going to look at the rest, verses 3 and 4. That's all the introduction, just these four verses. But, but what we're seeing here, if you didn't recognize, are some really big claims. Some, some really big claims. This person is claiming to know with certainty many things about God, many things about Jesus. And so whenever you read that, when you read somebody telling you that they know for sure these things about God, I think we should always want to ask, well, who's writing this, right? Who is it that's making 
these claims. Now we understand this is scripture, this is in the Bible, so this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. But still, who is it that's making these first person claims? We have done this, we have done that. And so we know it's John. We know it's someone named John. There are different Johns in the Bible, right? There's John the Baptist. There's John the Apostle. Some of you know songs about John the Revelator. Um, there's John Doe. who doesn't show up in the Bible. But who is it? Who is it that's writing this letter? And it is the Apostle John. Now, if you look in your bulletin, we have the points for today's message. And there... The points are written correctly, but I've changed the order uh, since we put them in the bulletin the other day. And point three is actually point one. It's confusing enough to get started, isn't it? Point one, though, 1 John was written by the Apostle John. And I add with that, who had personally been with Jesus, which I think is a very important addition to give as we see the claims that John is making here. So just a little bit of background. Who is John? If you're not familiar with John, some of you... Love John. I know that John's gospel is one of those that's it's different from the other three gospel accounts. And so some people really love the book of John and have latched on him. But if you're not familiar with John, a little bit of background. Who is the man that is writing this letter that we're going to be looking at for the next several weeks? Well, he was originally a fisherman. So we're talking about a blue-collar kind of guy here, somebody that we can relate to. Uh, his brother is James. They are the sons of Zebedee. One of my favorite little tidbits about John and James is we're told in the book of Mark chapter 3 that Jesus had a nickname for James and John. That's pretty neat. You don't think too often about Jesus giving people nicknames, but Jesus had a nickname for these two brothers that were both of his disciples. These guys were both apostles, uh, and he called them the sons of thunder. Now, it doesn't give any qualifying statement as to why Jesus called them that, what it meant, but I just really like that idea. Jesus had a nickname for James and for John, the sons of thunder. Uh, but so these two guys, James and John, they're fishermen. Jesus comes along and calls them, and it tells us that they left immediately. They left their father. They left their work. They left the nets. They left the boat. They left home and went and followed Jesus. So we see their faith very early. Uh, John is one of the three disciples that stayed closest to Jesus throughout his ministry. Uh, many of you know, of course, the 12 disciples were all really close to Jesus. But then there were three that sometimes he would take uh, off just by themselves and teach certain things or show them certain things. John was among that group. So John spent a lot of time with Jesus, really close to Jesus. John refers to himself on five different occasions in his gospel, the gospel of John. He calls himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. And I love when I see that. John doesn't refer to himself as John. John refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, Jesus loved all of his disciples. But John loved being loved by Jesus so much that that's what he called himself, the disciple whom Jesus loved. And the more I've studied John, that's what I've been convinced, is that John is a man that loved Jesus, and he was a man that loved being loved by Jesus. And it's a prayer that I've been praying for myself the past several days. Lord, help me to be somebody that loves being loved by you. Let your love be as important to me as it was to John. That's who's writing this. A man who was standing close to the cross when Jesus was being crucified, who was there to see all of it, 
whom Jesus said to Mary, right? Mary, the mother of Jesus. Jesus says to Mary when he's on the cross, Behold your son, and John, behold your mother. And John took Mary to take care of her. Took her to live with him after Jesus died, right? This is a man who loved Jesus. This is a man who had spent a lot of time with Jesus. This is a man who had sat by Jesus' side. This is a man who called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. So what I'm trying to tell you here is, this is somebody that can be trusted when he starts telling us about Jesus. When John starts telling you, Jesus said this, or Jesus did this, or Jesus is this, you can trust him. As well as anybody else, you can trust John teaching about Jesus. Why is that important? Well, that's important because in this book, John is trying to help us understand who are true believers and who are not true believers. The, kind of the basis of this letter, this letter that he wrote, is there were some false teachers who were trying to teach Christians to believe unchristian doctrine. They're trying to say things like Jesus wasn't really the Christ, or that Jesus didn't really leave heaven and come to earth. It was just this spiritual idea that Jesus wasn't really human. They're trying to teach these things to the church, and John's trying to refute those teachings. He's saying, don't leave the gospel, don't abandon these truths that you know. And so here's the mindset I want you to have this morning. I want to give this to you. So for just a moment, if you would, listen to me and try and bring this mindset. The things that you hear in this introduction, do you believe that these things are true? Now, I want you to think about each of them as we go through them today, because that's what John is saying to these people. Brothers, you have to know that this is true, because people are going to tell you different. People are going to tell you that this isn't real. People are going to tell you that this isn't true. Do you believe that this is true so much that if a preacher stood up here on Sunday morning and said differently, that you would argue with them? Right? If your Sunday school teacher started teaching differently, that you wouldn't trust them, are you fully convinced of these truths? And so let's look and see what claims does he make? What things does he tell us are true? So look back at verses 1 and 2. Here we see John laying the claim that Jesus is the word of life that has lived forever and ever, but who came in human flesh. Look in the text again. He says, that which was from the beginning, he's speaking about Jesus, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it. And proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. And we're writing these things so that our joy may be so John says here, he refers to Jesus as the word of life. He refers, refers to Jesus as the life because he heard Jesus refer to himself that way. He refers to Jesus as eternal life. But anytime you see those names in this, anytime you see those descriptions, word of life, the life, eternal life, he's talking about Jesus. So what's he say there? He says that Jesus has lived forever. Now again, we're in church on Sunday morning. Many of us have been Christians for many years, so that's not a big deal. We hear that a lot, but I want you to think for a moment. Hear that as if you've never heard that before. John says to these people that may have known Jesus on his earthly life, or at least heard from their grandparents teaching about Jesus, that that man, Jesus, that was here, that was crucified on the cross, that he has lived forever and ever. 
That's not just Jesus. That is God. He is eternal. He says, that which was from the beginning. And those of you that know John's gospel probably immediately think about the beginning of John's gospel. In John 1, 1 and 2, he said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And so in both of his letters here, he introduces by talking about Jesus having been from the beginning. And that doesn't mean like Jesus had a certain point when he began. That means if you go back to any point in time, Jesus was already there. That's what he's saying. Jesus has lived forever. So that's a big claim. It's a big claim to say that Jesus has been forever and ever, that there was never in all of history a point that Jesus did not exist. And we can't wrap our minds around that because our minds literally cannot understand something that does not have a beginning. But Jesus, John says, has no beginning. He has always, always been. But not only does he tell us that Jesus has always been, he says also that Jesus came here, left heaven and came here, on earth there again in verse 1 he says Jesus has been from the beginning we've heard him we've seen him with our eyes we've looked upon him we've touched him with our hands this life was made manifest and what that means is appeared made visible John says Jesus who is God who has lived forever go and ask yourself do you believe that Jesus has lived forever he said Jesus has lived forever not only exists in some spiritual realm in heaven he left there and came to earth we have to ask ourselves do I believe that that Jesus that came to earth was truly God because he says he was and he says I'm telling you he really came I saw him I heard him I touched him been with him and so this first claim that John makes point two John claims that God is eternal, that God has existed forever, but that he left heaven and came to earth. Now again, for us that's not a big claim. That's the gospel, and we've based our life on the gospel. I pray we have. But to some of these people that are hearing this, maybe it's a big deal. And to some people that you may talk to, this is a big deal. And some people are going to tell you that those things are not true, that there's nobody that's lived forever, right? Science tells us that everything has a beginning point. Right? Some of you are in college, still home for break. You have professors that would argue this with you. That cannot be true. And what I'm asking you this morning is, do you believe it enough that if they had science to try and back up the idea that Jesus couldn't have lived forever, that you still believe that contrary to their science that Jesus has lived forever? Do you believe that? Because we have to. We have to know that we believe these things. That's what John's telling these people. Brothers and sisters, you have to know this. This is the basics. This is the gospel. If we don't understand this, if we're not all together on this, then we're going to be divided on a lot of things. We have to know that we know that we believe these things are true. Because there are people, believe it or not, not only outside of the church, but there are people inside the church that will tell you that these things are not true. There are people that will call themselves Christians. There are pastors. There are deacons. There are Sunday school teachers. There have been deacons, pastors, Sunday school teachers in Southern Baptist churches that have taught that these things are not true. Brothers and sisters, we have to know that we believe this because the Word says it, not because the pastor says it. I don't want you to believe this because I said it this morning. I want you to believe this because God's Word says this is true. John is making a case for the truth of the gospel this morning. 
Now he also states there in verse 2 something else that's very important. He says, The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. And when he gives that idea of Jesus as the eternal life, it has a duality of meaning. It means both that he has eternal life, but it also means in the context of Jesus that he offers eternal life. And so there again, ask yourself that question. Do you believe that Jesus can give other people the eternal life that he has? He possesses eternal life. He has lived forever. He will live forever. But do you believe that he can also make you live forever if you believe in him, if you have faith in him? Because that's what John says here. Jesus has lived forever. He has eternal life. He came to earth to make it so that we could also have eternal life. I believe it. I pray that you believe it as well. But then he starts to change a little bit in verse 3, and he starts to tell us not only things that he's claiming, but he starts to tell us why. Why he's telling us these things. John, why are you going over the gospel again? You're writing to a church. Why are you going over the gospel? And in verse 3, he starts to lay out a claim for that. He says, That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. That's Jesus. He says, We're telling you about Jesus. So that you too that you also may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son Jesus Christ. I'll go ahead and give you a little bit of an advertisement for Wednesday night. We're going to look more deeply Wednesday night at this idea of, of how your belief in the gospel gives you fellowship with me. We're going to explore that a little more. How, where does Scripture talk about that? Because I'll just tell you this more. Scripture does talk about that. John's writing to these people and he's saying, Listen, I want you to believe in Jesus. And when you believe in Jesus, you are going to have fellowship with me. He says us. He's speaking of the other apostles, right? You will have fellowship with us. You will have a close relationship with us. You will be in the same family as us when you believe in Jesus. If you believe these things are true, then you'll have fellowship with us. And the Bible tells us clearly that those people that believe in the gospel, right there, our family. We are supposed to have a close relationship, a special relationship with other Christians. No matter what color they are, no matter what language they speak, no matter how poor or rich they are, if someone else believes in Christ, we have a special fellowship with them. You have a special connection and relationship with them. I'm not talking about some mystical thing. I'm talking about the same Holy Spirit lives in both of you. Uh, you've been adopted into the same family. But it also tells us, specifically for this context, that anybody that doesn't believe the gospel, anybody that rejects the gospel, anybody that teaches a false gospel, that we are not to have fellowship with them. That we are not to be in a close relationship with somebody that teaches the false gospel, or somebody that does not believe that Jesus is the eternal God that's lived forever and came here to die and offer eternal life to people. But there's something as amazing as that idea is that we have a special relationship because of our belief, our mutual belief in Jesus. Something that's even more important that we see there. Look at the last half of verse 3. He says, and indeed, our fellowship is with the Father 
and with his son, Jesus Christ. Listen, John says, as much as I want you to have a relationship with me, the most important thing isn't that you have a relationship with me, it's that through belief in Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And through Jesus Christ, you have a right relationship with God. Now, I don't know if that's a big deal to any of you this morning, but I'm just going to tell you that having a relationship with Jesus Christ is a big deal to me. And that having my relationship with God, the one that I broke, the one that I messed up because of my sin, having that relationship fixed is a big deal to me. John says here, brothers and sisters, this has to be exciting to us. Should be exciting to us. John says, when you believe in Jesus, when you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. Big deal. Really big deal. But he he says, even more, you have eternal life and you have a relationship with me and all other believers. That's great. Now I'm part of something bigger than myself. And you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and your relationship with God the Father is fixed. Not because of anything you did, but because of what Jesus did, right? He died and paid the price for our sins and now my relationship with God is fixed because of Jesus. Praise the Lord. That's good news. I didn't have to do anything except believe in Jesus, have faith in Him, give my life to Him, and now I've inherited all of these things. This is great. I love 1 John. I pray you love 1 John already. We're just at the third verse. It, It brings to mind again in John's gospel, right? You have to think. He's telling us things that he heard Jesus say himself. John was standing there. When John 14, 6 was spoken, when Jesus said, he told him, listen, I'm going to heaven. And Thomas says, oh, we don't know where you're going. And he says, listen, you know the way. He says, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John heard Jesus say that. And so when John says, listen, when you come to the life, When you come to the truth, when you come to Jesus, you have a relationship with God. He's not just making that up. He heard Jesus say that. Brothers and sisters, we can take it to the bank. It's true. Point three, the last point. John claims that when we have faith in Jesus, it's a long point. Look in your bulletin. Look on the screen. John claims that when we have faith in Jesus, we will have a relationship with other Christians, with Jesus Christ the Son, and with God the Father. Isn't that amazing? We don't deserve any of it. We don't deserve a relationship with others. I don't deserve that any of you as Christians should accept me because of the the ways that I have sinned, because of the ways that I have uh, rebelled against your God. You should not want to be in fellowship with me. Just being honest. Because things in my past, you shouldn't want to be friends with me. But we are friends. At least in my eyes, we're friends. You said, you're not my friend, preacher. (laughs) We've got a special relationship. Not because I deserve you being in a relationship with me, but because Jesus has made us in special fellowship with one another. I don't deserve to have a relationship with Jesus. I have it because of what Jesus did. I don't deserve to have my relationship with God fixed. I have it because of what Jesus did. And I ask you this morning, Do you believe these things? If somebody asked you, why do you think you're going to heaven? Do you immediately say, 
only because Jesus died in my place and I have faith in him. When somebody says, are you going to heaven, do you start saying, well, I pray every night? Well, I'm a member of Mount Zion because those aren't the right answers. The answer is only because of Jesus. Somebody says, do you have a relationship with God? You say, I have, a, I have an amazing relationship with God. I can talk to him. He listens to me. Anytime I talk to him, I have his word. He helps me understand his word. They say, how do you get that? Do you start with, well, I've been a Sunday school teacher for so many years. You start with, I'm, I'm a deacon, because those aren't the right answers. Or do you say, only because of Jesus Christ? It's the only reason I have a relationship with God. The only reason He would listen to anything I say is because in His eyes, in God's eyes, I'm perfect. Not because I'm perfect, because Jesus' death has made me perfect. The last thing, the very last thing we see here, verse 4. He says, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. And I love that idea that John says, I'm telling you about Jesus so that you would believe in Jesus. And you would expect him to say so that your joy may be complete, right? Because when you believe in Jesus, now you are joyful. Your life has peace and joy and all these things because of your faith in Jesus. You would expect John say, I'm writing these things so that your joy may be complete. No, John says, listen, I'm telling you the gospel because when you believe in Jesus, my joy is made complete. John says, listen, it's important to me that you know Jesus. John loved being loved by Jesus. He sat by Jesus' side and he sat and listened to Jesus teach and he saw Jesus forgive people and he saw Jesus heal people. John was probably standing close enough that when Jesus on the cross says, Father, forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, that John probably heard him. John knew Jesus so well that it made him excited when other people came to know Jesus. And Christians, let me ask you this morning, do you have that same sort of feeling? Is it important to you that other people come to know Jesus? Or is it just important to you that you know Jesus? As long as you're saved, it doesn't matter about anybody else. John says, listen, it brings me joy. In 3 John, we're not going to go through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, but in 3rd John, verse 4, he said this. He said, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And he's not talking about his physical children. He's talking about spiritual children. He says, I have no greater joy than to know that people that I love are saved. John wanted everybody else to know the love of Jesus that he knew. He wanted them to experience the forgiveness that he had experienced. Brothers and sisters, we have to be like that. If Jesus means as much to you as we say that Jesus means to us, then we have to want everybody else to experience that too. You can't say Jesus' forgiveness means this much. It means everything to me. And I love my aunt and I love my uncle, but I'm not going to tell them about Jesus. I don't care if they know about Jesus. Those two things don't fit. If Jesus means this much to you and you love these people, then you should want them to know Jesus as well. Brothers and sisters, 
If we believe, and I've been asking you to think all morning, if you believe these things, if your answer has been yes, if you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and you believe that you're going to heaven only because of what Jesus has done, and you believe that you don't deserve any of it, but it's a beautiful free gift, then you should also, this morning, want everyone else to experience what you've experienced. We shouldn't want this to be some special secret club that nobody else knows about. So this morning... As we think about applying this text, again, John is writing to people that are being faced with false teachings. And he's saying, listen, this is what you have to believe. This is what you have to be firm on, I ask you. Again, are you set and resolved on these teachings of the gospel? If you're not, if they're new to you, if you have questions about them, Brother Zach, explain to me a little bit more why we believe that Jesus has lived forever. Listen, I'm not going to look at you like you're crazy if you ask me that question. I'm going to be excited to teach you, to share with you, to open the Word with you and show you why I believe that Jesus has lived forever. If you say, what, what is it about faith in Jesus that allows His death to be imparted to me? That's not, a, that's not a bad question. It's a great question. I would love to answer that question. If you're here this morning and you have questions about the Gospel, don't keep those. Don't just go Google those. Ask me. I'll stick around after today. I don't have anything in the crock pot that's going to burn. I'd love to answer your questions about Jesus, about the gospel, about John, about what he's writing, about why he's writing, about why I have joy when other people come to know Jesus. Ask me those questions. Love to answer those questions. But if you're here this morning and you're a Christian and you've said yes to all these things and you believe all these things, I just want to ask you two things. Do you love being loved by Jesus? Or you just love the fact that you're going to heaven. Now, I love the fact that I'm going to heaven. But brothers and sisters, I pray. And I'm praying. I told you, I'm praying more and more. Lord, help me to love you and to love being loved by you like John did. Help me to think of myself as somebody that's loved by Jesus. Help me to see myself that way. Do you love being loved by Jesus? And I also ask you, do you find great joy? and lost people coming to be saved to the point that you share the gospel with the lost people around you. I invite you to stand this morning. We're going to have a time of response and invitation. And if you need to pray, if you know that you are a Christian, but you know that you have not been living like you should, and you need to repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness, you can do that. You can pray where you are. You're welcome to come and pray down front at these altars. I would love to pray with you. If you have questions, Come and see me. Tell me. Let me know. We'll set up a time. You say, I can't stay right now. I do have something in the crock pot. That's fine. We'll set up a time at a different date. But I want you to do right now. I want you to respond in the way that you feel the Lord's leading you to as Brother Shane leads us in the hymn of him.